the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. I know a place where we can go to lay the troubles down eating your soul. This is Crosswalk, Colorado Springs. Now, your host, Eric Cartier, Senior Pastor of Rocky Mountain Calvary Church. Like a tide, it is Welcome to Crosswalk, Colorado Springs. This is Eric Cartier from Rocky Mountain Calvary. Happy Valentine's Day. Thanks so much uh, for joining me. I've got a really special show, really pumped about it, as my wife, Amber, agreed to join me on this show. So we're going to share a bit of our story, talk a little bit about uh, marriage. So, babe, thanks so much for coming on the show. You're welcome. (laughs) (laughs) So I had to, you know, twist her arm a bit uh, for sure to get her to come, but... uh, so I'm going to start a little bit and just share how we met, and then I'll let you jump in uh, as well. But kind of begin this story with me moving to Colorado Springs to be RMC's youth pastor. I was 21, just before my 22nd uh, birthday. And then when I got out here, I was living in an apartment by myself, which was a first. I always had uh, roommates. And all of a sudden, I started feeling pretty lonely and started praying that God would bring who he wanted me to marry in, in my life. And uh, so thankful uh, that it was you. And we met through some mutual friends. It was actually the youth pastor that you had when you were in junior high, Sean Rafferty, Sean and Lisa. And Sean and I got hired at Rocky Mountain the same week, him to do high school and me to do junior high. We actually interviewed for the same same job. And it was Sean and Lisa that introduced us and said, hey, would you be willing to go on this blind date? And we both said yes. It was right after Christmas time, and then we were met and married in, in eight months. But what was that like for you, getting that phone call from Lisa? Uh, pretty surprising. They were um, all growing up, were kind of anti-dating. They were kind of anti the normal dating culture and more into the courtship culture. And so to get that phone call and that question of, hey, would you be willing to meet this guy was like, what are you talking about? <laughs> um, but we agreed, you know, we, Eric and I had both agreed privately, individually, that we would go on this blind date as long as the Rafferty showed up. And so yeah. it was four of us. And really, that first date was kind of pretty awkward. <laughs> yeah, it was. <laughs> we, you know, we had some things in common, but it was really more of me catching up with the Rafferty's than it was anything else. I hadn't seen them in a couple of years. So um, at that time in my life, I was coming out of a lot of garbage and wasn't really too interested in dating or starting a relationship. And um, so I I didn't give Eric my number. <laughs> my attitude at the time was like, well, if he's anything of a man, he can figure out how to get my number. <laughs> And so I completely left it in his court and, um, man, God just worked from there and, and Eric figured out how to get my number all on his own. So (laughs) I remember when we were sitting down with the Rafferty's at the Mexican restaurant, 
we were probably like 15 minutes into the date oh. we just ordered. And Lisa's like, Amber, you remember when you always wanted to marry a youth pastor? And we're both just like, oh, oh man. And you're like, that's <laughs> that's when I was in junior high. I'm not in junior high anymore. Yeah. So. Wow. That was an awkward moment. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So I remember we, we met and you, your characteristics was like, man, you know, you have those lists where you go, man, this is what I would like my my spouse to be like, and, and you had all of those. Plus I thought you were really cute. So Aww. I, uh, figured out how to get your number and, and called. And then you and I went out and, and pretty quickly after us dating, I think we knew we might be on a path for marriage. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Yeah. It was, I think date number two that we had, we went to Boulder Yep, and we were eating somewhere and Chipotle. Oh, Chipotle. <laughs> Yes, and here we are still eating Chipotle. Especially me. Oh, man. Um, And I just, it was one of those moments where I knew the Lord was speaking to me, and Mm. he told me, Amber, this is who I have for you. Mm. Keep your hands off it. Mm. Let me do it. Yeah. And that was really an amazing thing. You know, I've that's something I've always in the past had messed around with and tried to make happen myself. And, um, the Lord just challenged me to let him have it and take over it and do his work. And I'm so thankful that I did. Hmm. For me, the challenge was like, I was pretty guarded and protected was in my man cave. And like, (laughs) after meeting you, I was like, man, if we spend time together, I'm really going to care about her. And you'd think that would be a good thing, but it scared me pretty good. To where I almost r- ran for my life, and I'm scary. <laughs> <laughs> and Sean gave me the uh, "Do you want to be in the man cave alone the rest of your life?" speech, which was really influential. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. 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 What would you share with uh, people that are dating? Maybe some that are listening and they're at that place where they're, you know, wondering could this be the one, or maybe they'd like to start dating, but they're single and and in that process. Ooh, that's a loaded question. Yeah. I would say invite the Lord into it because he has a purpose and a plan and a future. And he's the one that orchestrates that. And when we put our hands all over it and try to finagle things and make things happen, we usually make a pretty good mess out of it. Mm-hmm. And so really giving the Lord those desires and... um and using discernment inside of it, when you find those things in a person that you're like, oh man, that is just hands Red down, flag. that is not going to work. Like, don't continue to invest and think that, well, maybe I can fix this or yeah. make this work or make it right somehow. Like, take that as an answer from the Lord and move on. And um, yeah, I would just invite him into the whole process. Yeah, I think a lot of times... People feel like, oh, I can change the person. Mm-hmm. There's this character flaw, or maybe they're not a Christian, and I am a Christian. And if I spend time with them, I'm I'm going to change them. Some missionary dating, and yeah, you does always not it doesn't work. You nope. want to meet someone that has a authentic relationship with Jesus before you met them, and are, are walking with the Lord. They don't have to be perfect, but there's some track record, proven track record there. Absolutely, so, yeah. yeah. All right, let's uh kind of tackle together what advice we would give to uh, newlyweds, like going back into those first couple years, 
Mm. of our of our marriage you know what would you share with them keep dating yeah keep dating all the way through i think a lot of couples get so bogged down in the new challenges of life and you know finances and are we starting a family and new jobs and careers and this and that that they stop having fun together and um, treating each other like they're dating. Right. Um, I would say that and laugh a lot. Mm-hmm. <laughs> There's, there are so many concerns and problems and fears and anxieties. And when we lose the ability to laugh about life at times um, and have joy inside of that, I think you lose a lot. Yeah. I think back to especially the first year of marriage, and it was really good. I mean, God was was gracious to us, but I was so serious. Like, everything was so serious. Mm-hmm. You have your first disagreement, and it's like <laughs> the end of the world, and your first financial stress, and it's the end of the world. And, and maybe to not take things quite so seriously, take a deep breath, trust mm-hmm. the Lord, like, it's going to be okay. But in that first couple years of marriage, everything is so heightened Mm -hmm. and I was so stressed. And I think I added a lot of stress, uh, you know, to that season. (laughs) (laughs) It's like a new muscle. When you first start working it out and using it, it's kind of painful. You're super sore. You don't really know what you're doing. Yeah. And then after time, you kind of start settling settling into it and, and learning how to communicate and work through problems and... Yeah. Yeah. I know for me, that first year of marriage, I tended to neglect my own relationship with the Lord because the joys of marriage, like replace that time with devotions to time with you. And then after a year, marriage was great. You know, being a youth pastor was great. We bought our first house, but I was feeling empty because I wasn't looking to the Lord. And I think there's that tendency, any stage of marriage, but especially when it's new, to kind of put your spouse in that place of Christ. Hmm. And you know, your spouse is never created to be Jesus. So. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Awesome. Well, thanks for listening to Crosswalk Colorado Springs. I've got my wife, my better half with me, Amber Cartier, and we're going to head to break and talk more about marriage and relationships. Stay with us. This is Crosswalk Colorado Springs on 100.7 The Word. Welcome back to Crosswalk, Colorado Springs. Thanks so much for listening. Hope that you're doing well, that you're having a good uh, Valentine's Day. I'm really blessed to have my wife uh, live with me in studio this year. We'll celebrate 23 years of marriage by God's grace and and goodness. And I, I think a foundation for us has been God's grace. When when we both met, we were at a broken place and we realized like we needed God to bless our relationship by uh, His grace. And I, I think have continued in that. And I think a lot of times people, when they think of marriage, they put it all on their shoulders of like, I've got to do my part as a husband. The wife's got to do her part. And if if we do it all right, then somehow it'll go right. But the reality is, is that we're all sinners and I'm a sinner, you're a sinner. You have two sinners getting married. And, <laughs> and to, then you have sinners. And then you have sinners. Yep. <laughs> you, you multiply to give birth to sinners and... <laughs> For us, you know, we've early on and continuing, it was like, no, Lord, would you bless our marriage by your grace? And would you bless our kids by by your grace? And I think, I don't know how we landed on that, especially being so young when we got married. But that's been a really freeing truth in, in our relationship. Absolutely. Yeah. 
yeah, I, I tend to lean towards legalism and, and just life, man, has a way of, of, uh, kind of tearing that down Yeah, <laughs> that by all your good works, you still come short and you are shy of, of, um, the goodness that you want. Right. You can't ever meet that. And so just kind of being broken from that of, I can't reach this perfect level that I want to be at. And, you know, then you, you just become dependent on, this is really God's grace. It's mm. not by my might or by my strength, but it's by his spirit. And, um, man, the more that I embrace that, the, the easier it is to get through challenges, knowing yeah. that this is on the Lord's shoulders. He carries these things. It's not on my shoulders. Hmm. A verse that just came to mind was uh, Psalms 127.1. Unless the Lord builds the house, he who builds labors in vain. And that's a warning, but it's also an invitation. Hmm. And that Psalm, as we go through, talks about marriage and family. And God wants to build our marriage. He wants to build our family. And I think it, he's waiting for us to say, hey, would you bless it by your grace? Mm, you know? Definitely. Yeah. yeah. It brings honor to him and not honor to ourselves. Right. Like we can't sit in here and go, we're anything special. Oh, it, it's no. like we're, <laughs> we're broken and God's gracious and he's good. And, and hopefully he receives the glory. Absolutely. I'd encourage, uh, you know, listening married couples or maybe you're dating to really just Try that if you've never had is just ask God to bless his, your marriage by his grace, mm-hmm. you know, and not that we don't grow uh, in our responsibilities, but even after we've done everything that we can do, we, we fall short and we're probably going to hurt our spouse more than, than help them. And that that's humbling and to really allow God's grace to be able to come in and, and then extending God's grace, you know, mm-hmm. c- having an atmosphere of grace. Like I've been forgiven you've been forgiven and to be able to uh, forgive each other. And I've really enjoyed that in our marriage. Like you've never expected a perfection and hopefully I haven't expected a perfection, but to be able to really extend that grace, that unearned, undeserved, unmerited favor and have that be the framework of a, of a marriage relationship. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. I think of a time when we probably, maybe struggled the most. Gosh, hopefully I can share this. I didn't get permission or anything. <laughs> Go for it. <laughs> <laughs> um, struggled the most is for some reason we were younger parents. We had younger kids and um, we kind of realized in conflict that we were trying to change each other. Mm, yeah. I remember and that. Um, yeah. kind of like I shared earlier, I can be a little bit more on the legalistic side Um maybe more like punitive (laughs) or justice driven. Um, And Eric usually leans more towards grace. And it really um, highlighted those differences for us when we were parenting Hmm. and um, our responses to our kids, how we would want to handle a situation, how we would want to discipline would really be highlighted uh, between the two of us. And we realized Man, a lot of this conflict that that we're having between each other is because I I want my husband to be more legal, justice driven, 
and he wants me to be more grace driven. Mm -hmm. And we were really convicted and challenged on that in that season of we actually need to accept each other's differences as our strengths. Right. And our children need to see law and grace and one without the other is short. Right. And um, so we were really challenged in that and, and just learning that we can't change each other, but our differences are intended to make us stronger as a family unit and not to be divisive. I remember during that season, I went to a pastor's conference mm-hmm. and there was an older pastor that was sharing pretty candidly about how some of his wife's, what he perceived to be weaknesses would, would drive him nuts. Mm-hmm. And he would go out of town and feel like just all the order went went out the window and she was more grace grace driven. And I think he was the more law one in their relationship. And then he realized, no, that his wife was God's provision to his kids mm. and, and that that's exactly what his kids needed. And I think that we came to understand like, yeah, we are different and we have some differing approaches in parenting, but to be able to allow each other to, to be who God's made us to be and come together as a team mm-hmm. instead of trying to change each other. And that's really extending grace uh, to, to each other. I think it brought a lot of freedom in our marriage because then that pressure of, I don't feel like my spouse is trying to change me went away. Yeah. yeah we didn't even realize it, that we were putting that on each other. Yeah, definitely. Kind of brings a breath of fresh air. Yeah, yeah. definitely. Yeah. yeah. Viewing it as a strength instead of a weakness. Yeah. And we had, we, you know, and we still continue to have to learn how to operate inside of that. Right. Yeah. <laughs> when a challenge comes and we have to make a decision, we usually have to spend a lot of time talking through it and negotiating and (laughs) figuring out something that um, a decision that we're both going to be excited about versus a you decision and a me decision and who wins the battle. And plus I'm just so much more organized, (laughs) you know, you just, you know, come to appreciate my organization. Oh yeah. We're still working on that one. (laughs) Amber keeps me together alive for sure. I I struggle in organization. Well, let's go there a little bit of, uh, we might hit the break, but just the importance of a we decision, Mm. you know, only I'll explain that a little bit for the listeners is just, it's easy to have like a a husband decision or a wife decision. And you kind of give to each other and it's like, well, you won that one, that that one was yours, so I want the next one. But that's not really what God's design is for marriage, is he, he wants us to come together and make a we decision. And I think kids instinctively know, mm. well, that was a mom decision and that was a dad decision. And then also too, like, oh, this is mom and dad together. They're both convinced that this is the right thing to do. And in order for us to have we decisions – We've had to negotiate and and talk and pray and sometimes get godly godly counsel, but mm-hmm. but that's been huge to have we decisions over your decisions, my decisions. Absolutely, yeah. So yeah, I I think sometimes even just in biblical marriage, that area of scripture can be misunderstood so much. Of you know, the husband is the head of the home, and he is. But I think I hear a lot of how that gets beaten down over wives mm-hmm. at times where um, 
well, it's just the husband that makes the final decision. And then it's not a we together. They're not practicing unity inside of their marriage. It's just one side is always winning and one side is always losing and vice versa. And um, man, that's just a terrible way to have marriage. Yeah, it is. Well, we're going to pick up on that right after the break, talking about the art of negotiation inside of marriage. So this is Crosswalk Colorado Springs with Pastor Eric and my wife, Amber. We'll be right back on 100.7 The Word. Crosswalk Colorado Springs on 100.7 The Word. Welcome back to Crosswalk Colorado Springs. This is Pastor Eric Cartier. I have my lovely wife, Amber, with me today as we celebrate Valentine's. She was gracious to come in and talk about marriage and relationships. And I just want to encourage all the marriage couples, like, keep at it. God is in your marriage, and He wants to be glorified in your marriage, and He brings life where there's death. And maybe singles thinking about getting married when it's the right person. Marriage is a huge blessing. We're a big proponent of marriage where we left off was uh, just where the Bible tells uh, husbands to love their wives as Christ loved the church, and then wives are told to submit to their husbands. We feel that that's misunderstood sometimes, that the wife has no voice in a decision. Mm-hmm. And I don't think that that's what God intended in the scriptures. And, you know, a husband's really foolish to not include his wife and make uh, decisions uh, together. And we've kind of always had this agreement in our marriage where we would try to come together and be in unity in a decision. And then if for some reason after praying and being in God's word and godly counsel, uh, we weren't, you know, you have given me that place to say, go ahead and make those uh, decisions. But, mm-hmm. you know, what is what does it look like to come to a, a we decision? So I'm going to kind of paint yeah. this picture and then I'll, I'll kick it over to you is our oldest Hannah. She's 20 now. She was going into her freshman year of high school and, We've always homeschooled our kids uh, up until high school, and and I was really kind of pushing for a public school, um, and you were feeling like, hey, we should continue to homeschool, mm-hmm. and there was that tension between the two of us, yeah. and we really had to seek the Lord and come into agreement, uh, and, and so what was that kind of like from, from your perspective? Well homeschool has always been that hot button for us. Yeah. (laughs) It's hard. It's hard. And so uh, I know that so many days, you know, you would come home from work and I would just be at my wits end on schooling these kids. And so I think the intent of it on your end was to try to fix the problem. Like there's clearly a problem here. My wife is undone and stressed and they're driving her nuts. Let's get them out of the house (laughs) and keep the sanity of my wife. Um, And for me, I was just burning steam, you know, not at this point of like, hey, we got to make a massive overhaul change uh, to what we're doing daily. Um, And so I think our how we were looking at it, we started different and, um, you know, we committed to really discussing all the details and it was hard. It was Mm -hmm. hard to talk about. It was a touchy topic, uh, pretty emotional and, um, and can be still sometimes to this day. Um, but we committed to talking it through the details and committed to being God's word over it. Right. And, um, committed to seeking out godly counsel. And I especially saw you do that. Hmm. And that meant the world to me when, when I saw you actually making 
uh, having meetings with various men that you have had in your life, Hmm. that said to me, okay, he's taking this seriously and he's really reaching out and is, is really open to exploring what the Lord might have for us. Um, Watching you make those moves settled in my heart that you were going to make an appropriate decision. And we, at the time we had locked horns so so difficultly over the situation. Um, this is the only time in our marriage we've hit this so far of where, you know, if you, I, I remember saying to you, if you decide to send them to a public school or a charter school, um, I will support you in it. I will respect your decision. That was hard. (laughs) (laughs) That was really hard to come to that point. Um, but when I saw you taking it so seriously, I saw you praying, I saw you fasting, I saw you seeking counsel. It definitely made that position on my end easier to get to because I saw the seriousness as, as you know, uh, how you were approaching it. Uh, you weren't taking it flippantly. It was kind of cool in that, you know, I think God was really trying to lead us and us not being in agreement and us slowing down, seeking the Lord together seeking counsel. I remember calling my youth pastor that I had that has kids older than us and to hear his perspective, I felt like we really came to God's answer and we were really unified and Mm -hmm. she ended up staying on that homeschool track. And for us, that was really the Lord's will at that time. And then when she graduated high school, it all Mm -hmm. became really clear. And I remember being at her graduation party going, man, I'm just so glad we did this. This is exactly what God had for us. But I think, you know, taking that time to go, not what does Amber want, what does Eric want, but what does God want, and really coming to that decision. And I think a lot of times if if you're at odds with your spouse and there's friction, it may be that God's wanting us to slow down yeah. to really see what, what his decision might be. Yeah. I mean, I'd say the vast majority of decisions that need to be made are decisions that can be slowed down if there's conflict inside of it. We feel this pressure to just blast through each decision, this pressure to hurry up and get there and make it happen and move on and move to the next problem. And the process of negotiating takes time Mm -hmm. and it requires a slowing down and a, a paying, paying attention. And, Mm -hmm. um, the thing with seeking counsel too, is make sure you have your spouse's permission, permission on who you share with. (laughs) Absolutely. You know, definitely you want to go to trusted counsel that you are both in agreement over where you feel, where both parties feel safe having an outside party potentially know something very intimate. Yeah. Um, I feel like that has saved us on a handful of occasions where we're in the middle of some decision. And one of the cool things about being at Rocky Mountain Calvary is is we've been there since we've been young Mm -hmm. and have great relationships with older couples. And plus have had some people in our lives, even from when we were before we were married, Mm -hmm. and taking the time to call them or meet with them and get their perspective and, and get their counsel has been a game changer yeah. s- several times. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. So so taking mm-hmm. advantage of, of godly counsel, if you don't have that, I'd encourage you, like, go to your pastors at your church, mm-hmm. you know, go to someone who's leading a Bible study, you know, kind of take a risk and look around your church and go, 
Looks like uh, they've been married longer than we mm-hmm. have. You know, yeah, let's, who's let's, out ahead of you? Let's go. Let's go ask them. Absolutely. Yeah. 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 And I think that conflict, because we had to slow it down, because it was tedious and difficult. I think when we made that decision, that might have been our first, like, full we decision. Hmm inside the area of homeschooling that mm-hmm. was such a hot button. Right. It was really kind of that solidifying moment of like, okay, we are both 100% in and we are not looking back and looking side to side. And it really, it doesn't have, to, you know, obviously we're not talking about homeschool decisions. It could be any decision, right. but the conflict of it and the time that we had to spend on it and, and seeking out counsel and being in God's word was really what unified our hearts right. inside of that decision. Yeah, I I'd agree. say for the first time. Yeah, yeah. I think a lot of times as married couples, we're afraid of like making decisions together, or it's too much work. It's easier to like, well, these are your decisions and these are my decisions. But when you make them together, it really fuels your relationship. Mm-hmm. You know, whether it's financial decisions and you do the budget together. Instead of fighting over finances, mm-hmm. it can really fuel your your relationship where you actually look forward to that financial meeting together yeah. or decisions with the kids or should we go on this vacation, you know, instead of like, well, I just booked a vacation, you know, even areas of health and fitness. Like when you press in and you do those decisions together, you're all you're almost like, hey, babe, you're pretty awesome. Hey. You know, like it, it fuels the fire, <laughs> fuels the relationship. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, it makes it, you know, when you come out of it, it, you know, it's not like, oh, I got everything I wanted or you got everything you wanted. Right. And what you come out with together ends up looking so much more beautiful mm-hmm. than what you would have come up on your own by yourself. Yeah, that's great. Well, stay with us. This is Crosswalk Colorado Springs. We'll be right back on 100.7 The Word. This is Crosswalk Colorado Springs on 100.7 The Word. Welcome back to Crosswalk Colorado Springs. Hope that you're doing well, that you've enjoyed your day today. Happy Valentine's Day as we celebrate God's love and express love, especially to our, our spouse and my wife, Amber, was gracious enough to come join me today on the air and just so thankful for her in my life and makes a marriage and, and daily life just such a, a huge, huge blessing. You know, one of the verses that's been important to us comes from Proverbs that life and death is in the power of the tongue. And we can either speak words of life into our spouse or we can give death blows. And, mm-hmm. you know, I want to thank you for just all the words of life that you speak into our marriage, you know, your, your communication towards me is, is one of love and respect and you're, you're building me up. And, and when you give me those compliments, whether it's on big things or small things, it makes a a huge, huge uh, difference. Uh, Mm -hmm. But let's just kick around a little bit, you know, what it looks like to speak words of life, what, what it looks like to speak words of death. Mm, Yeah. Well, thank you. I, (laughs) <laughs> I appreciate all of your words too. Mm. You're you're a kind man. Mm. Yeah. Um I took a Bible study called Five Aspects of Woman Women Woman <laughs> <laughs> a long time ago, clearly. And um the author of that study spoke about being a a life giver or a death dealer 
And that really impacted me. Um, and, and she talked a lot about our words and do we speak words that will bring life and edification? Um, they can be hard words. Sometimes it's exhortation. Sometimes it's mm. a challenge. But yeah. is it with the purpose and intent of bringing life into that situation? Or do we just deal death blows all the time with our words? Mm-hmm. And I think we know that inside of marriage. When we're dating and just getting to know each other, we speak a certain way to each other. Right. Uh, we speak kindly. We speak fun. Right. You know, there's a lot of joy and excitement inside of our words and we're careful about our criticisms and, um, and that needs to continue through marriage. And it's not that you don't have hard things to talk about, but it's with the purpose and the intent of bringing life into something, Mm -hmm. even that, even a situation that just seems like it's full of death, we can speak kind words inside of that and address problems with life-giving words instead of death blows. Right. I think a lot of it starts with our thought life and how we think towards our spouse. Do you, are we thinking thoughts of, man, I'm so grateful for them, they're God's provision, uh, and, man, I can't imagine my life without them, or, man, this really drives me nuts, or I can't believe that they did this, or keeping a laundry list of these are mm-hmm. all the things that they've done against me. And before you know it, if you've got that negative narrative in your mind— mm-hmm then that's going to come out of your mouth, you yeah. know, but if your, your thoughts are captive to the blessing that they, they are in Christ. And I think one thing being in ministry is we see people pass away. We mm-hmm. see people go home to be with the Lord, you know, our, our good, good friends, Jason and, and Jenny Ledbetter, you know, our age, we've known them since we were early married and mm-hmm. Jenny goes home to be with the Lord, you know, and, and, and it's like, wow, she passed away of cancer and it really makes you stop and go, we may not have all of these years until we're in our elderly years, and we really want to take the opportunity to speak encouragement, speak life, and man, it's never too late to turn it around. You know, you may look at your relationship with your spouse and go, "We're tearing each other down with our words," mm-hmm. and you can start to build your spouse up, even if they're not responding. Yeah. You know, even if they're, uh, you know, spewing death back yeah. at you. Yeah. You know? I mean, the second part of that verse, it's uh, Proverbs eighteen twenty one. The second part of it says, and those who love it will eat its fruit. Mm. We're going to eat the fruit of our words. Mm. And, you know, what, what do we want the fruit to be of our words? Do we want them to be, you know, life-giving fruit or this sour, rotten, destructive thing that's set before us? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's good. Let's kick around uh, date night a little bit. We uh, mm-hmm. talked about it a little bit at the very beginning of the show, but I think back, we've, we've got four kids, you know, they range about nine years apart. But when our kids were young, it was almost like, I don't know if we can afford to have date night. Oh, like by man. the time you get the babysitter <laughs> and you go out and you do something, even if it's coffee, I don't know if we can afford to make this happen. You're really tired. You know, you go out on a date and you, you don't just want to ha- take a nap. Yeah, you just want to take a nap. <laughs> But having that time to date each other is so huge. Yeah. Setting it aside in the budget is really important. Praying for God's provision. We have a good friend, uh, Jeanette, who said, hey, I just want to babysit your kids on Monday nights for free. And, and she did that for several years. It's amazing. You know, and, and just was a huge gift to us. But God can provide. But 
couples really need that. I mean, we need that to be able to just get out, have fun, laugh, go on a date. Yeah. And even if the date seems quiet or seems boring, we had a lot of dates in that season where we were playing cards at Starbucks because yeah. that's all we could afford. That's all we could do. <laughs> <laughs> but we were out of the house and had a little bit of time for adult conversation. Yeah, so. absolutely. Yeah. And even... And even not even just uh, tied up in finances at that time, too. It's just time as well. Right. And but always being aware, even if it's just a tiny little chunk of time, it's we're walking in the neighborhood. We're taking a a brisk walk or even Mm -hmm. a slow walk. You know, Um, you like slow. walks. I like the slow walks. (laughs) I can't keep up with you. (laughs) My legs are too short. (laughs) Um, Even just the simple I mean, how many times have we driven through Dutch Brothers and yeah. just sat in the parking lot and drank Dutch Brothers because there's so much happening? Um, mm-hmm. You know, just having those moments where you hit pause, even just for a half hour, 20 minutes, where you're making sure you're reconnecting. And sometimes there's a lot to talk about. And other times it is, like you said, quiet. It's just more quiet. Mm-hmm. and enjoying both both of those times and those seasons. And I you know, I think too as you we've changed seasons of life, you know, we've got a couple older kids and all of our kids are older. Uh I think we still need that time absolutely uh, to be able to to get out and date date each other and I don't know what it looks like when we're empty nesters, uh, yeah. but we recently watched a movie together with a cup based on a true story of a couple that was older and the wife was like, I just want to have fun. Like, yeah. I want to I want to go out and have fun together. And, you know, sitting around watching Jeopardy is not doing it for me. Nope. Uh, so I think every stage, it's important to be creative, continue to pursue each other, continue yeah. to date, have fun, laugh. Yeah. Well, even just something that's been, well, it's been eight years, so it's not totally recent. But even just going to our gym together yeah. and going to those classes together and mm-hmm. working out together has been really fun, yeah. you know, just something different. Um, you know, we didn't spend really any money doing that. We were super sore afterwards usually, right. but, you know, at least we get to commiserate on that together. And, um, you know, just even those normal routine things that you do, doing the dishes together, right. folding the laundry together, um, driving the kids somewhere together, it doesn't always have to be this like, official date Mm -hmm. but doing those things in daily life together really does help and i think it really alleviates a lot of the burnout that we can feel yeah because we're really fighting busyness in marriage you know where we get so busy kind of independently of each other Mm -hmm. where it's tough to have time together and i think that's where married couples start to drift so you really have to fight to be intentional to, to spend time together and it it can definitely be the simple things like even sitting down and watching a show together mm-hmm. is different than vegging out on something by yourself. Yeah. You know, the fun one that we did is, you know, we'd put on Odyssey for all the kids in the minivan yeah. <laughs> and then they would all be quiet while we're driving up to Denver or wherever. And then it gave us a chance to talk inside of that drive time, yeah. you know, just simple things like that where we did that a lot. Oh, we did that a lot. Yeah. Praise the Lord for minivans. Thank you. Focus on the thank family. Thank you, Odyssey. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that, that's really good. Well, babe, thanks so much for joining me. I love you. And uh, thanks for being my wife and, and partner, best friend. Mm, love you too, babe. So, 
Thank you guys for listening. Happy Valentine's Day. Have a great night. 100.7. The Word. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.